Welcome to the teaching ministry of Prophet Kevin Leon. Kevin has devoted his life to see the restoration of supernatural power in both the Word and the Spirit to this generation. Open your Bibles, open your hearts, as we join Kevin in one of his crusades from around the world. Everybody shout, Sonship. Sonship. Daughtership. Daughtership. Sonship. Sonship. Daughtership. Daughtership. What that means is that you relate to God as a father better than anything else. That to him you are a son, to him you're a daughter. And the reason I'm hitting this subject as we start, when you're a building prophet and you have a relationship with pastors, you don't just do one message and say, well, I hope it is something that you like. I said, pastor, where are you taking your people this next year? He's the shepherd. He ought to know where he's taking his folks. He said, we're going to emphasize healthy families. Everybody say healthy family. See, some of you have never seen a healthy family. You may have seen a part of it, had a daddy that was like Dracula. Little mama was Jezebel Jr. But you don't understand what healthy is. All you know is what you know. But he said, I'm going to emphasize healthy families. And he said, could you talk on family? And I said, no. I said, because talking on family is going to be a series. I want to talk on the raw material that makes family work. Everybody say the raw material that makes family work. The raw material that makes family work. You see, a lot of people have awesome teaching on marriage, good principles, but the principles are only going to be as effective as the people that have the principles. And if you don't think you're a good daughter or a good son, you're not going to be a good husband or a good wife. It's impossible to be a good husband and a bad son to God. It's impossible. You can be polite, but you won't be the real thing because you're not living as a son and a daughter. And the reason this is emphasized so much, the Bible said that God so loved the world that he sent an apostle to the earth. No. God so loved the world that he sent a prophet to the earth. No. God so loved the world that he sent an archbishop to the earth wearing a red costume. No. <laughs> he sent a son. Everybody say he sent a son. He sent a son. And the female thing would be the daughter. Why? Because that's the raw material of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. You see, even though people call me a prophet, prophet's what I do. Son is who I am. And if I elevate what I do over who I am, I create religion. See, a lot of you hate religion. I hate religion. I hate religion. I talked to a pastor all the time. I said, Pastor, how come your church is not getting bigger? The religion in this city, the religion in Corpus Christi is killing. Buying religion. You cannot bind religion. You know why? The only thing that kills religion is relationships. The only thing that kills religion is real son and daughter relationships. And what God wants to do today, he wants to firmly plant you with an understanding of where you're headed to be a son and a daughter. And without understanding you're a son and a daughter, you're either going to be a slave or a servant. You're either going to be a slave 
or a servant. Those are the three choices. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. See, the way you see him is the way you serve him. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. See, if you see a mean, judgmental, angry God, you will serve him like a slave. I'm a slave. He's a slave master. But that may not be how God is, but that's how you see him. Everybody say, the prison of perception. Say, the prison of perception. See, you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as your heart is. Whatever the condition of your heart, that's how you view everything else. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. Jesus talked about it this way. If you have a moat in your eye or a piece of wood in your eye, you project that wood on everything. It's like a person has dirty glasses. Everybody he sees is dirty. You're dirty. You're dirty. You're dirty. No, Bobo, your glasses is making everybody dirty. Take off your glasses and clean them. (laughs) And so some people go through past trauma, hurt, pain, and that is like a cataract on their eyes. And they're living to avoid pain. And when they look at people that, are you going to be the one that hurts me? You look like the last person that hurt me. You sound like the last person that hurt me. And what you do You avoid pain, but you avoid joy also. You see, the same heart that you experience pain with is the same heart you experience joy, love, peace with. So if I block the pain, I block the joy. Well, I don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't like being hurt. Being hurt is called being human. If I block the pain, I block the joy. You know, I love the church. Church is perfect, except for people. I want a mega church. You want mega problems. You know how you spell problem? P-E-O-P-L-E, people. We're in the people business. And you don't get to choose the condition of people when they come in your life. It's like an emergency room. They can't say, we're only taking broken legs tonight. No gunshots, no car wrecks. We're only going to take kitchen cuts. No knife wounds. No gang violence that we, we passed tonight. We want some rest. You can't do that. The kind of people you draw is the kind of people you draw. And here's what you have to understand. If God sends you cray-cray, you will get a super cray-cray anointing. I'm anointed for cray cray. <laughs> now, some of you represent that remark. That's why you're laughing right now. <laughs> and so, the whole emphasis of the Word of God is to convert us from slaves and servants into sons and daughters. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. 
If you see God as an employer, that you're working to be righteous for God. I'm working, I'm working, I'm doing the best I can. Then you see God as an employer. That's how all the Muslims see him. That's how Jehovah Witnesses see him. If I knock on enough doors, I'll be accepted in heaven. What about that 144 virgin thing? Are you a virgin? No, disqualified. See, some of you, that's not funny because you never read Revelations. The Muslims say my good works will be weighed against my bad works. But you never get to see the scales until you die. That's not fair. That's not God. So if I see him as an employer that I got to work for, then I got to see myself as a servant. But if I see him as a loving father who gives us everything by inheritance. Say everything comes by inheritance. Say everything comes by inheritance. So you still got to work your inheritance, but you don't have to work for your inheritance. I'm going to say it again. You got to work in your inheritance, but you don't have to work to receive your inheritance. It comes by relationship. Say, my inheritance comes by relationship. My inheritance comes by relationship. My inheritance comes by relationship. And what religion does is have a religious plantation to keep the slaves on the plantation. Keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working. Maybe one day you'll be pleasing to God. No, you're pleasing to God right now as a son and a daughter. You know, I got 14 grandkids from 14 down to one year old or about seven months old. And when I walk in the house, they got dribbled down their mouth, snot in their nose, and they walk up with a diaper full of poo-poo. And I said, you delight me. You bring joy to my heart. You know why? Because he's my legacy. And some of you have been told by religion, your father will reject you with poo-poo in your pants. I made a boo-boo. I made a big boo-boo. God will can't love me like this. That's not how it is. Turn to him and say, God will love you with religious poo-poo in your pants. God will love you with sin poo-poo in your pants. We got some Spanish people. Hi, say what I just got to say in Spanish. Oh, Dios te ama. Dios te va a amar con poo-poo in tus pantalones. You mean when I say poo-poo, I was speaking Spanish? Yeah. That must be some Americanized, oh, Tex-Mex. All right, okay. That's just wrong. That's, that's Taco Bell Spanish right there. That's some Taco Bell. They just make up words. A shakamashai burger. Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. The destination is son and daughter. Where's our destination tonight? Son and daughter. Where's our destination tonight? Son and daughter. Come on, scream it. Where's our destination tonight? Son and daughter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. Jesus said these words, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. See, a lot of you think when I die, I'll see the kingdom. If you don't see the kingdom now, you won't see it when you die, baby. The kingdom is past, 
the kingdom is present. The kingdom is future. Wherever the king is, is where the kingdom is operating. So Jesus says, in a few days, you will see the Son of Man with his kingdom around him. Now drop down to Matthew chapter 17, reading down to verse 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, a little booth, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And when they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Everybody say, The Mount, the mount of Transfiguration. transfiguration. The, mount the Mount of Transfiguration. Slave, servant, or son? What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What Jesus was saying is that when you see him declare a son, this is the kingdom. This is the embodiment of what God came to show us. And on one side was Moses, representing the law of the Torah. On the other side was Eliah, representing the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets. So whenever you read the Old Testament, it has to be filtered through Jesus. If you don't filter it through Jesus, you're going to have condemnation, confusion, rejection. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. You see, everybody in the Old Testament looked forward to the cross. We in the 21st century, we look backward to the cross. But everything is filtered through Jesus. And so this is God's destination. Your transfiguration. Come on, shout, God wants to transfigure me. God wants to transfigure me. Come on, scream it one more time. God wants to transfigure me. One more time. God wants to transfigure me. Say, my inheritance comes by relationships. 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 Now, how does he do that? How does he do that? Number one, he does it by the preaching of truth. If you don't have truth, you cannot be transformed. See, there's a lot of churches that don't preach the whole gospel. They'll preach Jesus will take you to heaven, but they won't talk about hell. They won't talk about demons. They won't talk about angels. They won't talk about prophecy. They won't talk about deliverance. They won't talk about healing. It's basically a self-help gospel. A behavior modification gospel. No repentance, no restitution, no messy altar calls. You see people walking in an altar call, chewing bubblegum, hands that have man. Okay, la, 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 la. That's not an altar call. An altar is where something dies. See, when I make an altar call, I'm going to kill what's stopping you from being transformed to be a son and a daughter. 
And you can't be transformed without altars. The altar is where something in your flesh, in your soul dies so that you can be transformed into the image of a son and a daughter. And so here's what you have to understand. The purpose of this church is transformation. The purpose of any church is for transformation. Well, I don't know why I got to go to church. I love Jesus. You know, I have my relationship with Jesus. I love Jesus. Listen, he's easy to love. He's perfect. It's this crazy, cray-cray, stinking kids we got to work on. That vertigo relationship, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And you look around the church, you I'm still working on. (laughs) Jesus said the sign that you're really saved as you love one another as I have loved you. And so that transformation thing has got to be heart and center in your life. And you got to say, Lord, transform me. Now, this church is about transformation. And if I'm talking about marriage, friendships, relationships, but I don't talk about spiritual sonship. I can do all that posturing and give you the principles, but it will never turn into anything that's really going to be long-lasting because the root, the core, the center of transformation is you becoming a son and you becoming a daughter. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? Slave, son. What are the three choices? Slave, son. You see, when people get married, we're marrying a son and a daughter. That's what it's supposed to be. Most of the time in marriage testimonies, you're marrying a pig and a dog. You're marrying two animal natures. They got hooked up. They got went to a bar, got high. They said, I like you. You look good. It's just an animal nature. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. And then they get confused. And in four years, they break up. Flesh cannot stay connected forever. And then what you do is you want to trade in a 40-year-old for two 20-year-olds. And God is saying, that's not how it's supposed to work. I want you to begin to say, God, transform me. I want to be transformed. And the moment you declare, Lord, I want to be transformed, all the promises, all the dreams, all the blessings begin to come to you. And let me tell you something. If you're having a hard time believing that God will forgive you, it's because you have a hard time seeing yourself as a daughter and you have a hard time seeing yourself as a son. Say, everything comes by inheritance. Everything comes by inheritance. Say, everything comes by inheritance. Got a hard time. I just can't forgive myself. What I did was so bad. I hate myself. How can I be so stupid? Because you weren't living like a son. You weren't living like a daughter. Say the way I see him, the way I see him. is the way I serve him. You know, my wife was raised in legalistic. Pentecostal church, couldn't wear makeup, couldn't wear jewelry, couldn't cut your hair. Now, you can stay saved there, but they would just beat you up with condemnation. And when I got born again from a Roman Catholic background, I got this son thing working real easy. And we'd have a marital fight, and I'd say, 
We'd be fussing and fighting. And I say, okay, okay, that's enough. Lord, forgive me. And that was over for me. And she felt like I didn't get really uh, forgiven because I didn't agonize over it. Uh, that's not, you can't get forgiven that fast. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got to have some more. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm an animal. I'm a dog. She goes, oh, no, you can't get forgiven that fast. See, if it takes you a long time to get forgiven, you're wrestling with condemnation, not acceptance from the Father. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What are the three choices? Slave, servant, I remember the first time that God showed me how to do this, explain it. I was getting some gas in my car and I stuck my credit card in the pump and they gave me my authorization in about 15 seconds. And the Lord says, it's amazing you trust the authorization for a credit card faster than the authorization that I have forgiven you. I want to feel bad. I want to feel bad. Then I know I'm really forgiven. No, you won't. That's your flesh trying to feel forgiven. You get forgiven by faith. Everybody say forgiven by faith. faith. Come on, shout forgiven by faith. faith. Come on, shout forgiven by faith. faith. You get saved by faith, forgiven by faith, healed by faith, blessed by faith, finances come by faith. Say, my inheritance comes by relationships. My inheritance comes by relationships. But it's only when you see yourself as a son or daughter, he said, okay, Lord, I sinned. I did ugly. Thank you. Forgive me. It's over. Everybody say forgiven by faith. faith. It's over. Now, I have to deal with the issues from my wife, maybe not forgiving me. She may have an attitude for three days. Go into the cave of silence. When you slide your foot over in the big bed, she kicks it back. It's in that foot signal. Is it safe to come over on your side? Is it safe to move over there? And she kicks that foot back. But if you're dealing with God, let me tell you something. God has emotions, but he's not emotional about your healing about your deliverance. You're putting your emotional status on God when you come to him for forgiveness. That's how you feel. That's how religion taught you to feel. But if you come to your father, it's over. Everybody say forgiven by faith. faith. You know, I raised four kids and and I, I was a spanking father. I believe if you don't spank your kids below the waist, never hit them in the face, never spank them when you're angry. But if you don't spank your kids, you don't love them. You just don't love them. Well, my daddy never spanked me. Little Jezebel Jr. spirit coming on. You need a whooping, girl. You little Disneyland princess. You need a whooping. I remember the first time God talked to me about spanking my child with mercy. And my son, Andrew, was four years old. 
And you got to understand something. Spiritual things must be experienced and caught before they're taught. And we had a thing whenever he did wrong. I said, now, did you do wrong? Yes. Do you want me to be a good father? Yes. Do you want to be a good son? Yes. Well, I got a pally. And I was a salesman. And so he had a negotiation period. He said, how many do I get? I said, eight. He says, how about three? I said, split the difference at five and a half. And after he got us three, four swats, I said, come over, get on my knee. I said, you know, I love you, but I don't want the animal to take over in your life. So you're not a bad child, but you did something bad. Everybody say, shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. And this was a particularly difficult day. I think I'd given him like four different kind of swats. Come on in here. He was hitting his brother and doing stuff he should have done. He's four years old. And I had an appropriate size paddle. It wasn't like a club. It wasn't a caveman thing. It was just hitting him enough to know this is unacceptable. Below the waist. Bend over. Leave your pants on. You know, I had one kid who was a little drama queen. Yeah. I haven't even hit you yet, brother. The fifth time I was paddling him in a 17-hour day, when he came in, I said, did you hit your brother? Yeah. Was it wrong? Yeah. Do you want somebody to hit you? No. Why'd you hit your brother? I don't know. You know, you got to get some swats. Yeah. Come on over here. Bend over. And I had a paddle called the butt master, the holy butt master. <laughs> Well, actually, I had two because they would hide them. One was called the butt master. The other one was called the happy crack up. <laughs> so as he bent over, I got my hand up in the air and I was on the downstroke. And the Lord says, show him mercy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and so I stopped. I said, stand up here, little man. I said, do you know what mercy is? No. I said, mercy is when you're guilty and you confess, but then you get mercy. That means you don't get a swat. So I got the butt master in my right hand. I said, what would you like, this or mercy? And this little giant alligator tear starts coming down his cheek. I like to have some of that mercy. So I said, okay, this time you get mercy because I want you to understand what mercy is. You're guilty. You confess, but you get mercy. So you can't get mercy till you confess. I said, you may go, but he was full of unbelief. You know why? He didn't turn around. He just backed up like this. (laughs) Kept his eyes on the butt master. He just backed up like this, grabbed the door. Now, why am I saying that? 
All of my kids are in the things of God. That particular son has eight children. He's got eight kids. The first kid come, I said, are you going to spank your kids? He goes, oh, yeah. I learned. I remember how bad. You should have gave me more paddles because I know how bad I really was. So today we want to take away shame. Because there are two dynamic things that kill your ability to be a son and a daughter. One is fear. One is shame. Everybody say, shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Everybody say naked, naked. and not ashamed. not ashamed. Really, they weren't naked, but they were naked. Let me explain this. Physically, they had no clothes on, but they were wearing a garment of glory and light. And so when Adam saw Eve, all they could see was the glory. She was in the image of God. When Eve saw Adam, all she could see was the glory. And when they sinned, they lost the glory. And they began to see the animal side of the humanity. And that's why they hid. See, when you're living like a son and a daughter, we don't hide. When you're responding like an animal, we want to hide or go be with the other animals. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? What are the three choices? What are the three choices? Slave, servant, son. Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read it from verse 2 down to verse 10. I want you to give you the context. God wants to bring great expansion to this church. He wants to give you a great increase. There are millions of promises for the hundreds of people that are in this church. Say, everything comes by inheritance. Everything comes by inheritance. Say, everything comes by inheritance. But the Old Testament is a prophetic picture of New Testament work. Everybody say, the Old Testament has the New Testament concealed. The New Testament has the Old Testament revealed. And so Egypt is the type of the world system. Remember, they had a time of great darkness. You couldn't see anything. That was a picture of spiritual darkness. Then they came into the desert. That was deliverance. That was for them to get in order. And they messed up. That's another message. But 40 years later, he says, okay, we're going to go to the promised land. But during the time in the wilderness, none of that other generation got circumcised. They must have not had any hope for the future. So nobody got circumcised. So before they could take their promised land, the whole army got circumcised. All the men got circumcised. And that's what we're going to read about today. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 down to verse 10. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself. Circumcise the son of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they came out of Egypt. 
For all the people who came out of have been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people of the men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers. He would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised the sons he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when he had finished circumcising all the people that they stood in their place to the camp to the hill. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day, this day, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Everybody say Gilgal. The word Gilgal means to go in a circle. And when they circumcised the male sexual organ, they went in a circle. Why is that important? Without circumcision of the reproach being taken away, you keep going in cycles, circles, 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 circles. It's a place of covenant. He said, this day I have rolled away the reproach. Guess what the word reproach means in Hebrew? Shame. What he was saying is you cannot go into your promise with the shame of Egypt still in your life. And they've been out for 40 years, but they were still living in shame. Now, why is this pertinent to us today? This is a picture of what God says, I want to do to you. Everybody say shame Shame. is spiritual. Everybody say shame Shame. is spiritual. I'm going to cut shame out of your life i'm going to cut it out now why is this important see we want to have transformation with no pain how many understand if you're a full-grown man getting circumcised there may be some pain involved okay we're gonna have a prophetic service drop your britches and we about to praise the lord And all the women said, I'm glad I'm female today. (laughs) There's going to be some pain involved. Everybody say transformation Transformation. involves pain. pain. Why? I'm going to cut away things I'm attached to. I'm going to cut away people I'm attached to. I'm going to cut away things I've been addicted to. Situations I'm addicted to. I'm going to cut it away. And so what you have to understand about the modern church, we got a lot of good sermons, a lot of funny stories, a lot of pleasant music, but we hardly have any circumcision. That's why people go to church for 10, 15 years and they're undercover saints. They're liars, cheaters, swindlers. They never got circumcised. And today God is saying, I'm about to restore families in this church but I got to spiritually circumcise you because you can't be in covenant as a son and a daughter without a spiritual circumcision. The word reproach means disgrace, rebuke, scorn, disgrace, arresting condition of a perpetual condition of shame. In other words, you got shame just hanging on you. You ever seen somebody when you see them, they just look pitiful. They may be attractive, they may be handsome, but when you look at them, they just look pitiful. 
Like, what's your deal? The majority of the time when you see people like that, they're living in shame. And the more you deal with shame, the easier it is for you to identify shame inside of people's lives. Everybody say, shame, shame. always blames. Always blame. Shame, shame. Always, blame. always blame. You know, when the Lord came in the garden and he said, Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat of? What did Adam say? What did he say? He said, it was the woman. It was a woman that made me do it. That junior Jezebel Eve, she made me eat the fruit. Then he goes to Eve. He said, now, what was your story? That devil, it was the devil. You see, when you're full of shame, you even blame God. He said, God, if you had been a better marriage counselor, if you had been e-harmony, I wouldn't have got this crazy woman here. He's blaming God. He's blaming God for the situation. Everybody say shame. Shame. Always blames. blames. Shame. Shame. Always blames. blames. And what you have to understand about shame is identity perception. Shame is not something outside of you. Shame is how you see yourself. Everybody say shame. Shame. Is how you see yourself. yourself. Let me ask you a question. Who do you talk to the most? Who do you talk to the most? You talk to yourself the most. Let me ask you a question. Who do you talk to when you're talking to you? Who do you talk to? See, if you're full of shame, you're talking to shame. And you can have a conversation with yourself and you'd be depressed in 45 minutes. You come from a great service. God, I got the Holy Ghost. I got a good word from Kevin. Pastor told me how much I was valuable to him. And 40 minutes later, I hate myself. But you haven't talked to anybody but yourself. When you're talking to you, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? If you talk to fear, you talk yourself out of all the promises of God. You talk to confusion inside of you. Rejection, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. You see, the best conversation you can have is with a son or daughter of God inside of you. And if you're not talking to a son and a daughter inside of you, you messed up. Say, my inheritance comes by relationships. My inheritance comes by relationships. Say, the way I see him is the way I serve him. Slave, servant, or son. What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What are the three choices? Slave, servant, What are the three choices? Slave, Could that son and that daughter have a conversation back to you? Man, I sure messed up today. I, I shouldn't have done that. But the son says, go trust the father. Everybody say, forgive him by faith. Man, I shouldn't have took that thing I took from that house. I got greedy. Talk to the father. The father will forgive you. Go repent. You see, the son will always lead you back to the father's heart. The daughter will always lead you back to the father's heart. But the slave will always lead you to hiding. The servant will always lead you to work your way out of debt. 
Work your way out of emotional relationship debt. How do you see yourself? Say, the way I see him him is the way I serve him. Here's what it depends on. How do you think God sees you? How do you think God sees you? See, a lot of you, you can give me the right theological answer because you read some of the books in this area, pastors preaching, but it's your heart condition that really talks to you. I know what the Bible says, but you don't know how bad I am. You don't know what horrible sin I committed. I had an affair. I cheated on my husband, cheated on my wife, stole my kids' bank money. I'm a crackhead. I robbed my own children. You don't know how bad I am. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? You're not talking to the son. Because when you talk to the son of God inside of you, it will always lead you back to trust the father. When you talk to the daughter inside of you, she will always tell you, go back home. Somebody say, it's time to go back home. Come on, say, it's time to go back home. Come on, shout, it's time to go back home. Are you in your righteousness? Are you trusting in the blood of Jesus' righteousness? Everybody say, shame is how you see yourself. Say, shame says... I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Lord, I know I'm horrible, but your blood. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Say, thank God for the blood. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. See, if you don't get these issues resolved in you and you're starting on a marriage, you're trying to resolve problems in a marriage, you're going to kill each other because your self-talk will annihilate any chances that family or that marriage living. Numbers 13, 33. Now they're going to go before they had this experience of circumcision. He says, go take the land. I'm with you. Let me ask you a question. If God is in your army, how many battles should you lose? I said, if God is in your army, how many battles should you lose? So God is in the army, but look what happens when you have shame. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Wait a minute. They never even saw you. Now you're making up conversations of shame in your head. The giants never saw you. Now you're putting your imagination in the giant's thinking to make yourself even smaller. We're grasshoppers. So many times they give people prophetic words. You're going to be a teacher. I I can't talk very good. How did God today say that? I I, 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 I can't talk very good. I, I can't talk very good. You know, I go to Latin America a lot in Spanish countries. I've got horrible Spanish. Terrible. Horrible American accent. But I can still get people filled with the Holy Ghost. I say, come out with an accent. And the devil still He said, you have an accent, American accent. I don't have to come out. What up? 
I, I know speaking English very good. I'm a Mexican. I know speaking English very good. You don't speak Spanish very good either. <laughs> but if your heart is right, I said, if your heart is right, everybody say, when shame comes in my soul, spiritual transformation is impossible. And I got a lot of grasshoppers I'm talking to today. Grasshopper. One of them karate movies. The master, sensei. Grasshopper. You grasshopper. Look at your neighbor and say, grasshopper. Look at your neighbor and say, are you grasshopper? Look at your neighbor and say, are you grasshopper? They had a grasshopper inside of them. He said, Kevin, why do you make kind of jokes like this and repeat? So you won't forget it. You'll be thinking about grasshopper. He said, he was so fat. Grasshopper. (laughs) And the kids, they love this stuff. They'll be making jokes. Grasshopper. (laughs) Come here, Blondie. Come here. You on the front row. Yeah, come on. Come on. Work that grasshopper thing one time. Say grasshopper. Hold the microphone. Come on. Wait, so do I do the move or not? Oh, do the move too, brother. That's all right. (laughs) Grasshopper. You're going to remember this scripture. They saw themselves as when they saw the giant, they saw themselves as when they were applying for a new job, they saw themselves as. When they were called to be in the ministry, they saw themselves as. No more grasshopper. Come on, look at you and say, no more grasshopper. Come on, say, no more grasshopper. I'm shy. Everybody say, shy. Is a lie. Say shy is a lie. They saw themselves as when they saw the giant, they saw themselves as when they were applying for a new job, they saw themselves as come on, look at them and say, No more grasshopper. Come on, say, No more grasshopper. But what causes grasshopper thinking is shame. Shame is a self-image issue of how I see myself. Why? Because I haven't got my definition of who I am from the Father. The only cure for grasshopper thinking is to get your self-image change. And the best place to get a change is in the face of the Father. Are you talking to yourself like a slave? Are you in survival mode? There's some people here, you're in survival mode. Slaves are always in survival mode. Everybody say, slaves Slaves are always in survival mode. mode. Everybody say, shame Shame 
It's how you see yourself. They can be gifted. They can be handsome. But if they think like a slave, I can barely make it. Nobody wants me. I can lose everything in one moment. Had a lady a couple of days ago. She said, Kevin, do you ever feel like you're going to lose everything? I said, not really. I don't think about losing stuff because it's in the Father's hand. She goes, I think about losing stuff all the time. You're a slave. Say, my inheritance comes by relationships. You're thinking like a slave, a servant. If I don't keep working, I'm going to lose everything. If I don't do a good enough job, I'll be rejected. If you're doing the best you can and God put you there, you're obsessing and you're talking to fear and shame inside of you. And that's going to cause stress like crazy inside of your life. See, a lot of you here, you've been living with shame for decades. You got it from your mama, got it from your daddy, got it from a coach, got it from your culture. Are you talking to yourself like a kingdom son or kingdom daughter? Now, the devil's main job is to accuse you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. When you understand where shame comes from, how to identify it, how to pull it down, your entire life changes. I mean rapidly. Everybody say the prison of perception. Say the prison of perception. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren. Somebody say the accuser of the brethren. Who accused him before God day and night has been cast down. Everybody say day and night. Night and day. Day and night. Night and day. The devil takes no vacations. He's here to destroy you through accusations. The word accusation means condemnation, insinuations, and domination. You feel like a cross-examination from a criminal attorney trying to destroy you. Any voice that speaks to you, not as a loving father, reject that voice. Now, the father will correct you. He will make you feel guilt, but he will never make you feel disqualified or unworthy. Any voice, I don't care who the voice comes out of, your friend, your pastor, your mother, your father, if they put condemnation, shame on you, reject that. You see, a lot of people in authority use shame as a control to. They use fear and shame as a control to. And you can just hear it out of people. They just call you names. They call you bad things. They, they insinuate, this is what you are. No, that's what I did. That's not who I am. Maybe you had a same-sex encounter one or two times. He said, I'm a homosexual. No, you're not a homosexual. You had a homosexual event. But if you don't choose that, that was something that happened to you. That is not you. And everybody has issues and things that we did, but we can't get stuck in the issue. And what the devil wants to do is to shame you and shame you and shame you and shame you and make you feel I'm stuck here. I can't get out. And let me just say, you don't have to be the worst sinner. There was a prostitute, a drug dealer, kill somebody. He's the accuser of the brethren. He can make kids that have never done anything wrong outside of going to church 
feel like they're rejected, they're disqualified, no one will ever love you, I'm worthless, horrible. And God is saying today, I'm coming to smack shame out of your life. I'm coming to smack shame out of your life. You're going to rise up and be that woman of God he called you to. But let me just say this, it's not automatic. Say removing shame shame. is not automatic. automatic. Say removing shame shame. is not automatic. automatic. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. What will kill a marriage so that it can't be resurrected is shame. Now everybody going to fight. You got two different natures. Got a male nature. Got a female nature. He may be from another part of the country. All these other different dynamics. You're going to fight. You're going to fight. If you think you're going to get married, it's going to be honeymoon land and no fighting. And I didn't know it's going to be like this. We fight all the time. Say unresolved issues. Buried alive. Never die. They become landmines in all our relationships. Well, you're going to fight a whole lot till you get resolve these issues inside of you. Fighting is part of the process. Well, I, my parents never fought. Yeah, they did. They didn't let you hear it. Or they fought different ways. They fought with the silent treatment. Some of you are silent treatment women. You don't like something from your husband. You control him by, hmm. you all right, honey? Mm. And then you lock up the chocolate factory. No more chocolate for you. I'm going to punish you. (laughs) Starvation, no more chocolate. (laughs) That's a form of shame. That's a control demon. That's a control demon. Because you got a monopoly on the chocolate factory. (laughs) But this stuff is not automatic. And there's a lot of marriages and relationships here. You're living with shame. You shame each other. You always. Nobody always everything. You never. Never. And you bring up the D word. Divorce. And if some of you are so in a connotation, he would be better off without me. No, he'd be better off without that shame in your life for sure. Don't commit suicide. Just kill some shame. I said, don't commit suicide, just kill some shame. And some of you had parents, they were professional shame machines. They could make you feel so low, so unworthy. Why can't you be like your sister? That's shame, honey. Why can't you be like your brother? That's shame. Why can't you be like the boy down the street, the Johnson boy? Why can't you be like that? shame? Oh, we got some Hispanics here. Why can't you be like the Hernandez boy down the street right there? (laughs) You got to know your audience, y'all. But you have to understand, getting rid of shame is not automatic. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What did he do? Despising the shame. Everybody scream despising the shame. Despising the shame. 
One more time. One more time. One more time. Who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Even Jesus had to despise the shame. Jesus was always getting attacks of shame from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, from the Roman government. He was always having to deal with shame. There will never be a day in your life you will not deal with shame. You will not deal with shame. You're going to have to deal with shame. But the Bible says, identify it and despise it. That means disesteem it. Look down on it. Say, this is not even relevant. Please, I'm not receiving that from you. And shame comes in many, many different forms. It comes from authority. It comes from your peers. It comes from race and sexism and classism. You know, every luxury product in the United States, the majority of it is marketed through shame. If you had a Harley Davidson, you're a cut above. Oh, you just got a Yamaha. That's shame. That's motorcycle shame. <laughs> and women are some of the worst. Women can be shame and they can cut you with sophistication. Girl, I like that purse. You couldn't find no shoes to match. Oh, women can be cat. And the moment you begin to identify shame coming out of your mouth, you're on the road to transformation. The moment that you recognize you are talking to you with shame. I've been doing pastoral counseling for the last two days. I've been bumping into shame, bumping into shame, bumping into shame, bumping into shame. I'm too fat. God can't use me. I'm too fat. God uses fat people. I'm a little chubby. God uses fat people. Somebody say, God uses fat people. If I had more hair, better hair, God get no, please. He don't anoint hair. I've got the anointed hair. (laughs) That's just shame talking to you. If I had went to that high school, I'd have a better chance. No, you wouldn't. You didn't study in any high school you ever went to. In the back room smoking weed when you should have been watching algebra. I'm going to work this shame thing. Because the majority of you in this room have been unsuccessfully fighting shame all your life. If you had this car, this designer shoe, if I had Nikes, I'd be cool until the next pair come out. You see, advertising must make you dissatisfied with something that works. So you'll buy something new that's just the same with a different face. You're responding and buying through shame. A lot of you are spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like because of shame. And what's up with some of these tall trucks around here? (laughs) I said it. 
guy's five foot two and bow legged walking up to his truck. Throw me the rope. I got to get in my truck. <laughs> truck never been in the mud. It don't snow here. That truck's about your identity, bro. Uncomfortable, just bouncing. You got to go to the chiropractor every 10 days because you're in a bouncy truck. <laughs> Shame made you buy that. Some of you want to buy these designer purses just because they got the logo on. Look at me. Look at me. I nagged my husband for 12 weeks till he bought it for me. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Shame made you buy that purse. If you like it, fine. But if your motivation was shame, a lot of people buy expensive watches because of shame. Hey, bro, ask me what time it is. Ask me what time it is. Okay, what time is it? Bam! New Rolex. Ha, 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 ha. Shame made you buy that watch. If you like it, fine. But if your motivation was shame. See, there's a lot of things in your house. Shame made me do it. Shame made me say it. Shame made some of you women wear the crazy clothes you wear. You got them 10-inch heels. Got your feet stuck all in it. Can't hardly walk. Come on, please. Going to have rheumatoid arthritis. Keep walking like that. Shame made you buy them shoes. Now making you laugh. But once you see the motivation that I want to fit in, I want to be celebrated, want to be accepted by that group, that's shame. Like we get a guy called the candy man here. He does custom cars. Almost every car he sells, he sells to shame. Sell to them Gentiles, but just don't be one. Make money on their shame, brother. Make money on their shame. <laughs> Look at what I got, bro. I got a 55 convertible. Come on. That's manifesting shame. Listen, sell to them Gentiles, but just don't be one. Sell to the Gentiles, just don't be one. See, when you understand, I want to be free in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be pressured to conform, to buy, to wear, to drive, to live in anything that's motivated by my shame that I got to get this so I won't feel ashamed. In 1976, God showed me this in my life. I was traveling from Germany down to Spain. Germany was wintertime. Spain was summertime. I've been on this train for two days and I had this kind of a skull cap on, a knit cap. And I had real thick hair back then. And I'd had that hat on for two days. And when I got to the warm weather, I didn't want to take off that hat. Why? Because I was ashamed. And the Lord says, you got shame. You got shame. I said, no, I don't. I don't have no shame. But then God began to show me the areas of my shame. Man, it rocked my world. I saw so much of my motivation was rooted in wanting to appeal to the fear of man. Shame. There's a lot of you here tonight. 
And if you have shame alive in you, it's going to kill your marriage. It's going to kill your finances. I'm not against nice things. But if the motivation for those nice things is shame, it will drive you. It will drive him absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Who are you talking to when you're talking to you? Shame always has a victim story. If I don't have that. And you know, kids going through puberty will put shame blame on their parents. Mom, I, all the other kids have it. I, I, don't, I, I don't have it. But honey, we don't have the money to buy a $130 pair of jeans. But everybody else got it. Everybody got it. My kids try to pull that on me. That everybody got that. Hey, everybody said, well, everybody but you. You ain't going to have it. Get a job, brothers. Oh, come on. I said, everybody but you, because I knew it was shame-driven. And he cried and went, Daddy, but everybody got what everybody got but me. I said, good, you got to learn how to live above shame. It's going to change. In 90 days, they were going to the, to the Goodwill to buy those shirts that had all the other stuff on it from gasoline places. I said, and then he was happy. He said, look, Daddy, I got a shirt for $2, but it's cool. It was still dealing with the shame issues. I said, I'm not against fashion. I'm against your motivation that I got to have it. Somebody say, I got to have it. Come on, say, I got to have it. And I will drive. Everybody around me crazy. Until I get it. No relationship can deal with that issue. And some of you come in this church, you want a title. I want a title. What's my title? Son. Try that on for a title. Try son on for a title. Try daughter on for a title. Is anybody, are you anybody hearing me yet? Everybody say, try son on for a title. Try daughter on for a title. But I want you to call me the first apostle of the third moon in the book of Revelation. Oh, please. I mean, it's almost impossible when somebody has a parking place, a business card in a church to demote them because they got shame all out. Look who I am. Went to the Pee Wee Preacher School, but you have a title. <laughs> and if you're pressing everybody, what's my title? I want to I know. I want everybody a big sign on my chest. You got shame issues. See, God's here tonight, guys. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to remove that shame because it's killing your relationship with him and it's killing your relationship with you. Forget about other folks. You're having a hard time just being you. Some of you got body image problems. I don't like my hips. I just, they're just too big. Some man going to like your big hips. Girl. Shake that right there. Oh, would you like some fries with that shake? Good God Almighty. Everybody don't have to like your rear end, just one man. 
There's some undercover chubby lovers out there. Hold on. Hold on to faith. There's some undercover chubby lovers. Hold on to faith. Well, I'm so skinny. I'm just so skinny. Who no man? I ain't got no big chest. I'm just skinny. Some man has a thing for a chicken wing. God, God, God bless you. <laughs> I said, some man got a thing for a chicken wing. You gotta understand, you got to be delivered from shame. It will absolutely destroy and control every aspect of your life. What you wear, where you go, who you're with, what you eat, what you buy, how you relate to people, how you feel rejected before you even get there. You gotta join the latest fashion trend that you don't feel good about yourself. Today, God is saying, I wanna deliver you. Deliver me from shame. Somebody shout, deliver me from shame. shame. And you know, in every field, shame reigns. You know, some of the biggest shame guys are these gangster rappers, these reggaeton guys. The moment they make a little bit of money, they get this giant medallion about the size of a car hubcap. (laughs) I'm having neck problems. It's so heavy. And they wore the standard work uniform, got to have the work boots. And, and it, it's a shame thing. Got the half-naked women. Look at me, bang, look at me. I got money, I got money. I ain't bang, bang, bang. That's shame, guys. That's just shame manifesting on the stage. And there's women that had the same amount of shame. You want to be with that knucklehead because you got shame issues. Today, God is identifying shame in you. Say, Holy Ghost. Identify. Shame in me. Identify my motivation for buying, for relationship, for my walk with you, for all my friendships, for the friends I choose. Identify any shame operating in my life. Identify any shame operating in my life. Now, there are some of you here right now, I'm going to start with your family. And sometimes your family don't even know they're doing it to you because they inherited shame from their parents. But if you grew up with shame, either in the house or somewhere in your culture, and you always have felt shame coming towards you, whether it was their reality or your perception, I want you to stand to your feet. He's here. He's willing to meet you right where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through, what you think you can't be forgiven of. His love covers all of that. His love covers whatever sin you think you can't get rid of. What you've been trying and failing and you've been going in this cycle and this cyclical pattern and you just can't, can't break it. His love will cover that. He's here tonight, guys. He's here to meet you where you're at. You don't have to go farther than right here. The kingdom is here. The king is here. He's here tonight to meet you. 
He wants to encounter you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him in a way you've never experienced. There's freedom right on the other side of the fear that is making your heart pound so fast that you don't know what to do. You're about ready to cry, some of you. And it's fear that is like trying to grip you and keep you sitting down saying, that's not you. But you don't let fear win. Tonight, fear doesn't get to win. If your heart is pounding, that's Jesus. He's talking to you. He's saying that this is for you. Tonight, there's freedom for you. You've got freedom coming your way. You just have to say, I want it. I want it. And no matter what it looks like, I'm going for it. I'm not going to be held back anymore. Shame's not going to win anymore. I'm going to step forward. I'm going to do whatever he's asking me to do. Because I'm tired of living that life and I'm not doing it anymore. He's here. He's here. And he wants you so bad. He wants your heart. He wants all of you, the dysfunctional parts that you just don't think he would even want anything to do with. He wants you, all of you, because he loves you. He loves you. It's the love of the father calling out to his son, calling out to his daughter, saying, come home, come home. I love you. I'm waiting for you. He's waiting for you guys. Man, how many can feel the father jumping up and down in heaven and said, I'm, I'm getting my sons and daughters back. I'm getting my sons and daughters back. Man, how many feel something exploding in this place? You know what you feel? You feel the gospel. That's what you feel. The real gospel. That redeems, restores, calls, and gathers. Now, you may be here not born again. I'm going to have a, a corporate prayer. Just say it with me. Will you do that? Say, Jesus, Jesus I, am I am a spiritual criminal. Spiritual criminal. I've, broken I've broken your heart and broken your law. I know I am guilty because my own heart tells me I'm guilty. But today I look to the cross. Your blood, your sacrifice. As my only means of righteousness. Be my Savior, Jesus. Be my Lord. Come in my life. In an instant, he'll do that. Faster than the transaction when you put your credit card at a gas pump. If you say the prayer, it's done. Close your eyes. When I count the three, a full-grown Jesus is going to stand in your heart right now. One, two, three. He's standing up in you right now. He's putting his hands in your hands, his eyes in your eyes, his legs in your legs, his head in your head, his desires in your desires, his passion inside your passion. Today, you're saved. There's an angel writing your name in a book of life. With this date, today you are saved. Just say, Holy Spirit, Spirit. if I have any shame in my soul, In the name of Jesus, Jesus. because of the blood of Jesus, Jesus. 
I command all shame, all fear, all rejection, all self-hate. Leave my life. Leave my soul. Right now. Right now. Do something in me. So I won't be ashamed. Holy Spirit. Work in my life. So I can be naked. And not ashamed. Naked. And not ashamed. Naked. And not ashamed. Now take a deep breath. Deep as you can. And let it out. Take a deep breath as deep as you can. And let it out. Our prayer and heart's desire is that today's message has caused you to see Jesus more clearly, causing you to become a better disciple, walking in both wisdom and power in your generation. For further information about Kevin's ministry, books, tapes, or to have him come to your church or conference, call or write Key Ministries, Post Office Box 10357, Pensacola, Florida, 32524, or on the web at kevinleal.com. You can call our offices at 850-475-8877. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will water this word and cause it to grow in your life.